Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. There was a boy. What? A very strange and nope. special boy. Nope. And we wanted to hear it for him here on Let's Hear It for the Boys. Here's the I'm boys. Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about The Boys Season 3, Episode 5, The Last Time to Look on This World of Lies. Whoa. So if you haven't watched it, it's live on Prime Video right now. It'll be Amazon Prime Video, not another Prime Video, in case you're Oh, familiar. that's a good call. That's a yes. good call. Well, they prefer to be called Prime Video. I think everybody else calls them Amazon. But, you know, let's just split the difference here. That's the important yeah. thing to get out here. Hey, Prime. I was I had a uh, prime rib video up and it was just uh, mm. a piece of. Because if you say just meat. prime, I'm gonna mm-hmm. think Optimus Prime. You're talking about Optimus. Oh prime. sure. And if I say Amazon, just Amazon, you're gonna think the Amazon River. So that's why you gotta say the full name: Amazon Prime Video Original Content Creation Engine. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's the full. Anyone really dropped that? The whole, really uh... just rolled off the tongue there. That was great. Absolutely. But if you haven't watched this episode, please do because we're going to spoil it. And a brief bit of recap here picking up on the mission to Moscow where the boys went to Russia. Kamiko now has lost her powers, is in bad shape, but absolutely loving it. As it turns out, by the end of the episode, she smoocheroos Frenchie, even Ooh. though Frenchie. Is going through some conflicting emotions of his own. Very excited to hear what Pete, our rom-com expert, thinks about all this. Because Frenchie is taken by Nina before he can come back and talk to Kamiko. There's also a big musical number in the middle here. Very fun. Cute. Meanwhile, Butcher and Huey are getting even deeper into the temporary V. Huey is clearly hepped up on it. He does tell Starlight about it. But at the same time, they go after Soldier Boy, thanks to the legend, played by guest star Paul Reiser. That after- dude's everywhere right now. Everywhere, yeah. I'm mad about you. This, those are the only two things I can think of. Oh, oh, yeah, on, you're man. talking about the uh, Spectrum uh, Network release. Of, <laughs> of that. course, of course, that's the only season I've watched. And the what was I saying? Oh yeah, Soldier Boy explodes now. He is going after Crimson Countess. Butcher offers up on a silver platter in order to bring Soldier Boy over to his side when he realizes he, in fact, may be the weapon that will help them kill Homelander. Mother's Milk doesn't agree, gets roofied by Butcher. It's all very sad and horrible. And that's kind of where we end the episode. Again, very, very broad overview there. Lots of other things happen in the episode, particularly with the Seven. Uh, We also see some stuff going down with A-Train and his brother. Bad things happening there, thanks to Blue Hawk. So dark, dark stuff in this episode, among all the usual boys' fun times. Now, before we get into the episode, though, I feel like there's something we should talk about uh, that's been going on in the world of the boys the past couple of weeks. The show has been review-bombed, I think as usual, on Amazon and IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, at least as of the recording, still doing just fine. Uh, But people pretty upset about the content of the season, I think we could agree they're being ridiculous, right? 
Well, the the review bombs are sort of about the cancel culture and all that, right? Um, it's sort of yeah, really what they're satirizing and criticizing in the show. It, it's hitting its mark spot on. I was mm -hmm. I would argue. Well, yeah, exactly. It's funny because I think I've talked to the past couple of episodes. Well, you brought up the term scattershot the last episode, yeah. Justin. And I agree with that. I think even in this episode where I liked a lot of the stuff, there's a lot of stuff they're taking on at the same time. So it might all come together, but it's hard to keep track of it. But regardless of whatever I think of it from a critical perspective, like you're saying, Justin, it's clearly hitting the right people in the wrong ways. And yeah. that's good like that is good satire then i mean that that's what i've always loved about the boys from the very beginning is it's like unblinking satirical eye like whatever the targets are the show like just goes hard at them in the same way they go hard at the just like doing great superhero action and wild gore it goes equally hard at the satire and i feel like that's so rare the show is just like is just like a blunt instrument. It is what it is internally and externally at the same time. And I love that about it. It's a fearless show across the board. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we get into the episode again? A lot of stuff to talk about. I think one of the big things we should probably talk about right off, though, and I know I've said this past couple of episodes, but we've had Soldier Boy slowly sneaking his way into the narrative here after his reveal at the end of the last episode. He's finally... In the present day, we see kick off the episode with footage of him being experimented on in Russia. We see him yeah. blow up a building, which is very scary. And then ultimately, he teams up with the boys at the end. So how are you feeling about this arc? How are you feeling about this character now that we've seen a little bit more of him and what he can do? Um, I like the character as like a, this sort of the strongest weapon. Like I'm, I believe he can take out Homelander based on what we've seen here. I think the the real thing that his uh, he's highlighting he's like a weapon of mass destruction, um, but it's whoever's wielding him is the real uh, sort of character characters to watch, and it's you're seeing Butcher like be just off his game, seduced by the power of V, becoming literally what he's been fighting against. His mother's milk calls him out right at the top of the episode, oh, yeah. very cleanly about it. How are you feeling about it, Pete? Well, it's just one of those things where it's like. Uh, yeah, we're kind of, you know, uh, w watching this all crumble uh, horribly around, but the kind of uh, um, soldier boy thing is it's nice to finally get some answers, what he can do. Um, you know, it's an inter interesting twist where, like, we think a female is dead, um, you know, but then she doesn't have her powers, but she's, like, so happy about it, which is great. Um, to see her so happy. Um, well, wait, before we get on that, why don't we just stick to Soldier Boy for a second? Okay, I know, yeah. you're, I know you're excited to talk yeah. about Kamiko and Frenchie. I definitely want to so get So I just, I, I like how they're doing this. We're getting a little bit of it. And it's funny because it's like, it also has this weird kind of like Captain America feel to it as well. And um, Winter Soldier. Yeah, uh, just mm -hmm. kind of person out of kind of time, you know, like he's looking at people. I like the way that it, there's a, not a lot of dialogue with him. He's just kind of like taking it all in. So it's interesting. Uh, and I think smart the way they're doing this and kind of unrolling this of what's happening here uh, with this character and what's going to happen. Because it seems like, yeah, if you have powers, it doesn't work around him or he kind of like, uh, 
you know, can take your powers away, kind of like a rogue situation. You know what I mean? If, if she's got the gloves off. But I think it's interesting that like he is an asshole. Like he's famous. Everyone is like hates him. His girlfriend in this episode, right before she dies, is like, I hate you. I always hated you. So like the fact that he's that's, and is, that's cold to hear from an ex. You know what I mean? Like especially if you go away to prison, you think there's still some chance. There's some hope there. You know. You think he had one? He was being uh, operated on in Russia. He was like. He said, there's no reason to lie to her at that point. He was like, I was hoping you were going to save me, which if you had a superpower partner, you would think that like, all right, I'll get tortured for a little, but then they'll show up. Right. Well, and there's also not not to take too much of a swerve. I just don't want to lose this thought. There's a very clear parallel in this episode between what Crimson Countess tells Soldier Boy and what Maeve tells Homelander when Homelander confronts her about their relationship down to almost using kind of the same words. So uh, to what Pete was saying earlier about uh, Soldier Boy pretty clearly being a Captain America stand in. The thing that is breaking my brain a little bit in this potential matchup that's coming down the road is thinking about it as, okay, we have Dick Captain America versus Dick Superman, which is a pretty classic, you know, matchup. But in my mind, I'm like, Superman would win. This isn't a matchup. Why are you so ahead of what's happening right now? Like, be in the moment, man. Kind of enjoy where we are. Stop being always thinking ahead with you. I, yeah, what are you, all I Stan Edgar? Yeah, exactly. I It is impossible for me to watch TV shows and not try to think several episodes ahead. Drives me a little insane. I hate it. Yeah. But it's absolutely like, yes, we get the Captain America thing. Him walking through town. He still has the beard right before he explodes. He kind of sees the way the world is now. I liked the way they did this move with him here because I feel like an easy move particularly for the boys, would be he sees a happy gay couple walking along. He sees Maeve with the rainbow and freaks out, you know, and is like legitimately homophobic and terrible. But they do it in a much more subtle way, the way Jensen Ackles plays it, where he just sort of like goes, and rolls his eyes and that's it. So you know he's an asshole and you know he's homophobic, but they don't overplay their hand there. Well, and I, but I also think it's interesting that um, he's being, he's an asshole. We get this, the scene that we don't see is when he goes to see the legend and does some coke and just like has a nice sit down. And I I thought that to me was a a little strange because it feels like we're purposefully keeping him on the shelf as like an undefined weapon Mm -hmm. so that Butcher and the boys can sort of pick him off the shelf and aim him at Homelander. When really he's has agency of his own, like Mm -hmm. he's going to be who he's going to be. So I don't think they're being so naive butcher specifically here. And it makes me want to talk about sort of the larger dynamics in this season, where in the past it was always like Huey sort of versus butcher and their takes and finding out that they actually needed both of their powers. They're meant sort of the way they do things together to save the day. And the, these on very unlikely situations, in this season, we're just so far away from that. And I feel like that's part of the reason why the show feels a little bit scattershot. And again, I love this show. It's not at all bad. It just feels very different because Butcher and Huey are both like drug addicts and not <laughs> providing anything really except for like sort of bad decision making because yeah. they're so focused on like when are but- they going to get to use their superpowers next. And so I don't know where the core of the show is. And maybe we're, we're going to find it here soon. One thing I wanted to jump back to real quick because... Uh- 
Alex had uh, such an interesting reaction when, yeah, when he saw the two people making out, I thought it was more like a, eh? like what oh, is happening? Okay. You know what I mean? So like, uh, it's interesting, but it was this thing of like, uh, you know, uh, you know, like this kind of like, he wasn't cool with it. I definitely got that vibe, but it was interesting that uh, uh, your reaction, uh, Justin, did you want to maybe recreate? Wait, are you calling bit? me out here? I can't tell if you're calling me out or not. No, I'm not calling you out. Oh, okay. no, I think it's different takes. Cause it might, oh, okay. when I saw that, I saw that moment, I think it was like, he's a man out of time. He mm-hmm. sees like uh, uh, an, an openly gay couple on the street and he's like, Oh, I didn't, that's not normal to where I come from. Um, and it's about, to me, the point of that is though, like, he isn't like a homelander that is like, like you said, Alex, could immediately be like, what? Uh, he's much more like, how can I do? He's like the, the smarter homelander, the less like mm-hmm. damaged version of him. This is speculation. And the same way that we, and not to get into this, the political side and the satire too much, the way we talk about like Donald Trump in our culture, where it's like, good thing he wasn't good at being um, bad. Good thing he wasn't good at uh, like launching a coup. Mm-hmm. That's Homelander. And Soldier Boy may be the type of person who is both like wants to destroy the system for his own gain and is capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, let's talk about the legend though, because that's another character that's introduced here in the comics. This is kind of a Jack Kirby ish stand in sort of, and the way that they do it there, because it's comics, of course, is he created comics about all of the superheroes, uh, out of Vought here that gets translated to Paul Reiser being a very old Hollywood wheeler and dealer. I thought this was great. All of the references here were so good. Oh my and god! So when he precise. said Shannon Tweed, I was I was like, oh shit, Kelly LeBrock. Like, Kelly LeBrock. Yeah, I mean, he was dropping all of them. Also, Huey's just reaction like, oh no, I'm full on cocaine. I, <laughs> yeah, oh, I that was had such a funny. Hilarious. That was legit. Want, oh, just I'm a, full. I'm good. Thanks. That's just such a great joke. Like yeah. this. The other thing about the show is like, they, they they're writing I'm like full. great sitcom level jokes in this it's truly like set up punchline jokes and him being like i'm full of cocaine <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it was it was it's just like it is uh, jack Quaid is just crushing it this season yeah 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 i loved uh, again though the preciseness of all those references and the fact that they're so dusty it's clearly yeah it just gets across that these are things that he's been dining out on for decades these yeah stories. and he's just like kelly lebrock huh huh Google it. He gets upset at him. It's, exactly. Uh, it's gotten yeah. to the point where nobody gets those references anymore. He's just yeah. sitting around waiting for this. So love that relationship there. Um, I When they said the legend, I'll admit there was a little bit of disappointment. I was hoping there, there's been this fan casting of like Mark Barron playing Stan Lee. And I know the legend is a little bit more Jack Kirby than Stan Lee, but I was kind of hoping the door was going to open. It would be Mark Barron there. But mm. Paul Reiser, Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser, I mean, come on. Good that stuff. was still pretty funny. Yeah. Reiser's out there making moves right now. Yeah. Reiser's yeah. doing. We already mentioned that, that about you on Spectrum. Yep. That's it. That's it. The, oh um, I will never not associate that. Reiser's IMDB, dude. He's, he's legit. Don't fucking come at Reiser. Where <laughs> Riser Defender has checked into the uh, room, Don't I guess. Don't fucking act like he's not, can't be playing the legend. Come on. No, he absolutely well, could be playing the legend. We're joking about Stranger Things, Pete. Stranger Things just came out and he's in it. That's what we're talking about. He's so hot right now. 
Yes. Pete, before we go off of this, Pete, when else have you ever said like, oh, Riser's getting it right now? When have you ever <laughs> been like able to stand for Paul Riser besides literally Not right in this the moment? 80s. Uh, you but know. even then, he mad about you? That was like, he was like the married guy on a sitcom that was good. <laughs> But it's not like you're like, Tons I ride for Riser. We rise most people, till dawn. Most people looked at Disney movies and were like, oh, that's what I want my relationship to be like. Pete looked at Made About You. Right? Do you want to talk about uh, Mother's Milk wearing a Rough Riders t-shirt? It's all the uh, Rough Risers out there rolling with them. <laughs> 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 yes. Killing it since day rough one. Rough Risers. We I'll in here. that down for a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great uh, – that reminds me, I need to pick up some of the T-shirts that have come out of our podcast, uh, you know, buying from the company store. But Rough Risers, the little Paul Riser pick over top. Yeah, I'll see that's, what I can do. I'll see what That's I can solid do. gold right there. <laughs> Pete honestly comes up with most of our T-shirts. He doesn't mean to, but it just kind of no. happens. Well, I think what it is is he says something, you and I laugh, and then you make a note that that should be a T-shirt. <laughs> that's how it works. That's how the sausage is made. The legend is great. Very excited to have him as part of the show. It's a really good dynamic. Hope we see him again. Um, continuing on that storyline, though, another thing that I really liked, and this is jumping to the end, is I loved... Well, actually, this is a thread throughout, but Huey and Annie's relationship, I think, is so good yeah. this season and gone through oh. so many different permutations. I know it's rough to watch, but I I really think they're doing a good job of putting them through a rough patch, but keeping them strong still Take and understanding each other, Take even though, easy. well, no, even though there's some fights here, like the, I love the White Claw scene. When yeah. Huey is like, Shocking. listen, I got to tell you something. You're going to need a White Claw. And it cuts immediately. Smash cut to her pounding several White Claws, going through everything that he's we done. Gotta, it's crazy. We got we kind of got to back up the truck a little bit. Here. Okay. Because when we're beep. talking about Huey, we're talking about this idea that in earlier seasons, Butcher looked at him as like he is the kind of like guiding principle of what is right and wrong. And Butcher has corrupted Huey now to the point where he was puking and then kind of like throwing two to Butcher being like, fuck you. You know what I Do mean? Do you, like, I, I kind of, I don't know if Justin's about to say this, but I kind of disagree. I, I don't think it's Butcher's fault. Agree. Like, oh, That's what I was going to say too. What? Not Butcher's fault. This is Huey making it. Here's what it is. I think two issues are, are happening inside his um, tiny little brain, and he has no way to deal with it. The revelation of uh, Newman being a soup, and that, and the fact that she was the head popper, she he was she was his shining light for so long, and so right. that that set him off. Lying at work, he gets busted by a coworker and says it had a sprain. I'm just like nonsense choices, and then he's always felt like. Starlight has to defend him and he can't step up and protect her. Yeah, I, mean, that's what's I, I was paying also attention pushing to him. went on that monologue about like, it's my chance to save you. Yeah. But what sucks so, is we have Huey, who it used to be this kind of principal and like uh, a good guy now being horrible. And for the first time, you're kind of questioning whether or not him and Starlight are a good match. And as someone who is trying Pete. to ship them, it's heartbreaking to see him drop the ball like this and like demand points after the fact. I mean, that was a uh, crazy argument. I sorry, I forgot you're a home light guy. So I I'm like it could work out that way, Pete, if that's what you want. No, no, but I I'm, don't I want home, you want Huey to be good enough 
for Starlight and more like Homelander, strong. (laughs) No, no, don't put words in my mouth. But I'm just saying that like this episode was heartbreaking because Huey's really fucking up. Well, I do think one major part of it is him being hepped up on the V. Like, I do not think that is helping things. That's clearly tweaking and changing his personality. He is exhibiting classic drug abuse behavior where he's like, it's fine. I can take it. I can do whatever I want. It's, it's awesome. It's so good. It's like we talked about, I think on the last episode with the temporary V it clearly gets towards something that V does to people's personalities, that it makes them more whatever it is. And for Huey, that's nervous. That's insecure. It's amping up all those feelings. And that gets exactly into the thing that you're bringing up, Pete, that he tells Starlight about just wanting to support her and save her sometime. Uh, Want to save her, not support her. And I do think it ties into a, a bigger theme not just of this episode, but of the season about, and maybe the show, honestly, about like deconstructing masculinity, you know, something that we've talked about since the very first episode is how uber masculine and almost edgelord the comic book is. And the show has always worked against that. It's broken down those ideas. And what I think it's doing here is, you know, you have soldier boy who is this very like 1950s, 1960s ideal of a man, the legend is doing the same thing where he's like, I'm swinging Hollywoods. I'm Bob Evans. Look how great things are. And both of those things we very clearly know in hindsight are real bad. But Huey is a modern man. He is a man from the 2020s who is normally there for his woman and supporting her. But there is that germ that seed inside of him of like, I, I, I want to be the one, like, I want to be the man, whatever that means. And whether it's the V or his natural insecurities or something like that, that is amping it up to a level where, and he doesn't need that. She is her own person. She can do her own thing. She, she can save herself. And all she needs is for Huey to be an equal partner in the relationship. And that's not yeah. what he's giving her right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she was super clear about that, which was great. But also, like, she was able to see through his shit so fast when she was like, wait a second, you loved it. He was like, yeah. And the way he said, like, I clenched my butt and I tra- uh, teleported, like, oh, my God. It was so <laughs> funny. He was like, I saved someone, you know, like, just this kind of, like, ridiculous, um, you know. And no, I was I- glad that she was able to really pick up on it and, uh, you know, like was super clear about what she wants and you know what he should be doing. So I'm, I'm hoping that he fucking gets his shit together. Well, and the other thing is granted, he's not living TV seasons the same way we are, but the past two seasons, he hasn't needed to be the guy. He has been crucial in saving the day every single time. Even at the beginning of the season, before the temporary V, he was able to find out the information on Newman with no superpowers whatsoever. So he doesn't need that shit. And Starlight knows it. And I think ultimately it's frustrating for her that he feels like he needs superpowers the way she has superpowers. It's it's not necessary. So we'll see if they break through. We'll see if they continue there. Why don't we jump to the other couple, which is going through some fun but rough times. Maeve and Butcher. Maeve and Butcher. Uh, You want to talk about that real quick? Well, I think there's a good touchstone here in that uh, Maeve says, like, V enhances what you are. Um, And uh, that's what we get with with Huey. Like, it it does bring their personalities more to the forefront in the reflection of their powers as well as sort of the way they're acting. Um, But this... 
there's the Maeve has these two sort of big scenes, one with Butcher, where they both break their sobriety and then hook up. Curious to see how that goes. I mean, that could be uh, a relationship that continues on in this show. I don't know. Um, and then she has the scene Hashtag with Homelander. Butcher. Hashtag Butcher. Butcher. Babe. Uh, babe. Babe, babe. And then we have the sort of other side of that uh, scene, that relationship with uh, Maeve and Homelander, where she's like, I always hated you. I, and Homelander's ahead of her, knows that she's been working with Butcher and and all this is going on. So her role in this show is, a, a, she. it's hard to sort of pin down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes she's really a part of everything that's happening and sometimes she's not at all. Um, but yeah, that whole scene was so intense when he, Homeland was like, I can smell him all over you. I was like, oh shit. Like, uh, but man, uh, I think it was just a one-time deal of both of them just kind of falling off the la- wagon and, and uh, you know, wanting the something. sex wagon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's talking about the drinking. Drinking. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. sex wagon is <laughs> nothing like a fall off the sex wagon. <laughs> uh, one other thing that I want to throw out about this, and I think you were kind of getting towards this a little bit, Justin, but Maeve has been a point of frustration for me this season because she's such a good character and the actor is so good. And like we talked about, she's been kind of in the background doing her, you know, that scene in The Simpsons where Homer is like, ooh, what's that ninja on the lawn going to do? He's just standing there waiting to do something. So there's that feeling of that a little bit of like, she's going to tear the doors off at some point and maybe that still will be coming. But particularly what I found frustrating about this episode, and I'm guessing at least some section of the audience did as well, is Maeve is bisexual, so cool. She could hook up with men. She could hook up with women. It's not a problem. But for a show that barely has any LGBTQ plus rep, and it is just Maeve, for her to not be in really the first four episodes and then the fifth episode, the one where she has the Perigus seeds or where she's talking about her relationship with men. She sleeps with Butcher. We haven't seen her girlfriend anywhere who was a major part of, uh, I think, both of the first two seasons, at the very least, the second season. Definitely last season. And yeah. Yeah. though it was about that falling apart for her and her mm-hmm. then just fucking piles of people. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there is that, but I think there is a level. But I agree where with like, you. Yeah, uh, just uh, you, the show has to do a little better. There is, I guess, what I'm saying. And mind you, we're only we still got another three episodes left in the season. I guess after this, so things could turn around. We could see something more with Maeve. Four or, though, is it four? Uh, there's eight total. Eight. So yeah, so just three more episodes after this. Wow. But. But as is, I think regardless of what happens with Maeve, there's almost definitely going to be a season four of this. I really do think they need to work on the whole LGBTQ plus rep part of things because they're kind of falling down in that area. Well, and it does feel like she is sort of like not a character we ride with. We feel her emotions. She definitely feels like almost like an oracle or something that the characters, and I'm saying that's not a great, spot for her a character that i think we used to be able to ride along with she's these in this episode specifically butcher and homelander go to her and learn something about themselves which is not great for a strong uh female character as her role in the show currently 
Um, but like we're saying, like, I do really like her. I think she's a great character. And I sort of feel like she's going to come through and be uh, save the day eventually. And mm-hmm. let's not forget, she is taken by um, Homelander, Homelander and Black Noir uh, at the end of this episode. Yeah, so that's real bad. Pete, yeah. though, I do great, like it. Oh, go ahead. Great use of Black Noir there. Yes. Very, very scary. Yeah, no, that was scary. And I'm scared for Maeve. I also... Mm-hmm. Be, be real quick before we move on really like that scene as well of Annie following up with Ashley to try to find out where Maeve is yeah. confronting her and being like, please be human for a second. And the way Colby many feet plays that scene, just uh. pausing and like it almost breaking through. I, I was so tense watching that because I was like, Oh my God, Ashley, her humanity is going to break through doesn't happen it doesn't happen i love uh colby minifee i think she's so good she can play the comedy side of ashley and sort of this darker side i called it out last episode the episode before i feel like she's the new stan edgar she gets the ceo job here and she's on that dark path i think by the end of it she's going to be in that same position and be turning the tables on homelander at some mm. point and controlling him or if he even survives this um this season uh, so I love that. I also think, shout out to Starlight, I feel like the way that she sort of sees a situation and almost cracks Ashley there, that's sort of her more useful power, I think. Um, her actual superpowers we don't see a lot of, at least this season, I don't think we've really seen them at all. Um, but her real power is negotiating all these like sociopaths that she has to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> she's legitimately, and I, this is obviously purposeful, she's the only actual hero in the show. You know, yeah. the the scene after Soldier Boy blows up the building and they cut to Vought Tower and Starlet is like, we got to do something about the situation. And Homelander says, OK, well, we'll talk to PR and we'll get a message out and we'll decide on that. And she's like, no, we have to save people. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, it's great. I love seeing it. But it's so frustrating to see her stuck in the middle of this world where nobody is doing anything or nobody is doing anything correct. They're just in these petty squabbles, even the boys, like even those characters. So Yeah, I wish I knew how that felt to be in a world where you'd feel like you can't really do anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. That's the power of a satirical show. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Frenchie and Kamiko. It's been long enough. Pete. Oh, my God. Take us through it. So this is it's an emotional roller coaster here because, you know, the will they, won't they vibes. And, you know, it seems like Frenchie almost lost her. She comes back and then we get this amazing, first off, fun musical. They make such hilarious choices. The whole routine was really hilarious, a little old school and fun. And so then we get this amazing kiss and then Frenchie looks like he's not feeling it and like or the fact that the secret that he has to work uh uh you know again for the the russian lady who he hates nina nina and uh it just it tore me apart because i was like no we're finally you two have to work you know what i mean like if you guys don't run away together like what you know it's just it's just absolutely heartbreaking to see like them finally kiss and then Frenchie not feel it. Oh, go for crying? a coffee. Are you bringing? Of, are you crying? Really? In the middle of a kiss, you go for a coffee. I mean, don't you? Well, you wants to get a little caffeinated, a little juicy up. You yeah, know? coffee's like sort asleep. of the 
Coffee's the V24 for the common people. The kiss will keep you awake. You you ever make it out with a girl and you start kissing and like 10 seconds later, you're just, your eyes are drooping. You're falling asleep on her face. Kissing the wrong girl. I I keep a tiny Keurig right next to the bed. Oh. In case I, I guess fall I, off the sex I wagon and uh, I need a little goose. <laughs> a I guess I wasn't goose. kissing a girl. I was kissing a thing of NyQuil. Was that mm. the problem? That's probably what it was. Mm. That's true. Okay. Kissing that NyQuil and going right to espresso? That's your own personal V24. <laughs> <laughs> I love this whole sequence. I thought the dad sequence, like you said, was fantastic. I also so. love the moment before it, the way they played that, where Kamiko says... I, I, and starts to creak out the way they played that where you think, or at least I thought I was fooled being like, Oh, she lost her powers. And that's what was preventing her from talking. talking. Now she can talk. Oh my God. And then they went to the song and dance. And I was like, Oh, okay. It's not real. She's imagining it, but I loved it. I think they could still, I think that still might be the the thing that happened. Uh, yeah. I'm not a hundred, the way that it shifted into the musical number, I thought was more of a, uh, like a creative choice. And there creative, was, yeah. there was maybe a little bit of that happening. Here's the thing. I worry about this storyline. There's bad vibes in the air. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think Kamiko doesn't have her powers now, but I feel like she might get them back. Um, this is a, I'm, the hypothesis uh, I'm going to throw out, but it feels like Soldier Boy's powers are radiation based. So it feels like maybe her body was irradiated. And so her healing factor is taking longer to expel the radiation and it will eventually, and then she will be powered up again. And that's where I think Soldier Boy's power set hitting Homelander will be an interesting uh, turn later on. Wait, wait, we didn't we didn't talk about the kiss though. Like, why is Frenchie not into this? Like, I, why I is you... Frenchie not Frenching in a kissing way? Mm-hmm. Oh, French class, I get it. Pete, I think you are spot on with what you were saying though. Is that he is scared about the thing with little Nina? Like. I think, sorry, she's just called Nina on the show. She's, she's not, not called, yeah, yeah she's not nothing she's, little. About uh, sorry, regular sized Nina. Regular Nina. Cool yeah. shirt Nina is what cool I call shirt. her because that yeah. shirt was cool. It was very cool. I, I think that's what it is. Like he initially seems into it and then he sort of calmly pulls back, which certainly made me worry, thinking, okay, maybe he just wants a really intense friendship with Kamiko and that's it. But. The other part of it is we've kind of established that he is a sub and he needs a dom, whether it's Nina or Butcher or something like that. So to be in a relationship where it's even, like with Kamiko, like we've been talking about the problem with Annie and Huey right now as well, that might be the thing that's scaring him. Like, what would it be like to be in a relationship where I'm actually even with this person? And, and you can tell they're even happiness, they, like the, they split the headphones. People oh. are scared of happiness sometimes, Pete. It happens. I just, you know, don't hurt Kamiko. I think everybody is going to get hurt on this show all the time. I think that's yeah. a certainty. She's been sort of so the, much. But I do think, uh, I think they might, I worry about them surviving this season. But if they do both, I sort of start, I'm starting to feel like there there might be a relationship here. Yeah, potentially. We called it as a friendship, but I think it's becoming something a little bit more. Why don't we talk about A-Train's storyline? Because oh, I know I've been oh, on this boy. the past couple of episodes. It's rough to watch, but of all the things they're doing, I think they're absolutely nailing this storyline. Yes. I mean, this stuff, the Blue Hawk, the way all of the Blue Hawk stuff was so like just spot on uh, as a, a criticism of 
like a bunch of things, just the all lives matter, uh, policing in America, like the, the takedowns here were so good, so quick. And I don't know the actor's name that played Blue Hawk, but man, did he nail that sort of mix of like uh, nervousness and uh, like lack of confidence and bravado and like outright proud boy style uh, self-assurance in your like racism and all that. Like, I, I just thought it was, it was horrible to watch, but really tragic and well done. Yeah, agreed. I also was wondering, like, I kind of missed it somehow of like how it got. It seemed like he was doing a TV interview that made it seem like what his reaction was okay. And I was like, after the community yeah. center, I was like, oh, Blue Hawk is fucked. Like, there's no way you can explain yourself out of this. And then it seemed like he did. And I was like, wait, wait, how did he get out of that? It was Vaught PR clearly manipulating the thing to make it. He was attacked by Antifa, which again is like, oh my God, very on point for everything that happens in our world right now. But also just to take a step back, all the A-Train stuff is really perfectly done as well like this slow awakening he's going through in terms of race and how he needs to deal with race. The way they played that scene in Ashley's office where they're getting the apology from Blue Hawk. Blue Hawk is, you know, sort of pushing back on it a little bit. Ashley is saying nonsense the entire time about like, I'm glad we're having this conversation. These words are important. And the fact that A-Train, like you could see working in the back of his mind, like he knows this is bullshit and this is all bullshit. And he's like, how much do I not like this bullshit? Like how much more of this can I actually deal with? Can I actually do something about this? And I do think there's a really big turning point there because something awful happens to his brother. I I was like, no, won't be able to walk again. It's like, come on. Like, you know, I can watch 80 exploding heads, but don't make that the thing. Like, Oh, I was just felt so bad for his brother after everything. I think the guy who's playing H train is doing such a great job of trying mm-hmm. being stuck in between this, you know, like he's not fast enough to kind of like live both these lives anymore. And it's like this thing of like, he's got to really come to grips with himself and what he's all about. And they're playing it so good and so well. And, the and uh, just, uh, yeah, it was really hard to watch, but also really amazingly done. So it's uh yeah, I mean, some t- parts the show is missing and some parts it's hidden really nice. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, bunch of other stuff happened to this episode we should probably touch on. Uh, we could talk about the Homelander stuff as well. I, I think they're doing a really nice job here. I know I've been talking about how they're hitting a lot of different metaphors with Homelander. I do think Trump is the most precise one, but just this episode, just from a plot perspective, him finding himself exactly in the place that Stan Edgar cursed him with the last episode of like, Oh, now you got to run it. And you could see him fuming about the fact that he got himself out of this trap that Maeve and Starlight put him in at the end of season two. And now he put himself in another trap. Yeah. It's so well done. The scene where he's talking to the meeting, the suits and he's in full breakdown. He's like broken. He like, he's, he's like twitching and like, he just can't deal the the stress and the fact that he's completely he just established himself as nothing can touch me i'm so far above you and he can't handle this meeting 
He and yeah. he knows yeah. it, and you see him crack right there on camera in front of us, and then he vacillates between like being a wreck and then being like sort of duplicitous and uh, ahead of Maeve and some of the other characters. Like, it's great. I and Anthony Starr is so good. He's so fun to watch, despite the fact that he is absolutely evil in the show. It's really good. And I also, yeah. oh, go ahead, Pete. Yeah, just the fact that like, all right, let's go around and say each other's name. And then somebody like jumps ahead of the thing and kind of gets right to it. And he was just like the the wave of like rage and emotion they went through. That was really impressive. Um, yeah. And it is this thing that what's nice about the show that they're constantly dealing with is this thing of like what happens when people get power and all of a sudden you think you're going to have control over stuff how little you do and like uh it's very interesting to see everybody kind of falling into these uh things where it was like and he's like oh i'm gonna be co-captain i'm gonna have to be power and then like you know homelander being like okay now aha, now uh, we're all up here on the 99th floor and i'm running shit and it's an absolute nightmare so yeah uh kudos the scene on the cameron coleman show uh once again these oh, are some yeah. of my favorite scenes this season i love this as just a way for uh the show and and homelander specifically to put out his uh conspiracy theory takes and really go after news um uh, satirized news the storm chasers thing where he completely disavows the storm chasers and then literally echoes their take seconds later you can see that every day on cable news yeah uh well, and also, I thought this was an interesting thing. I don't think they meant this. You know, I think they meant this more in the terrorism sense. But Homelander also saying there's no supervillain attacks. Go out there. Enjoy your restaurants. Go to your movies. That's the same text that they've been using this entire time with COVID. Yeah. Um, so yeah. maybe they were playing off that a little bit. Whatever. I they, think so. Yeah. Whatever it was, it definitely reminded me specifically of that in a really, really awful way. And then right next door to Homelander's story uh, is Todd this season, who is mm -hmm. uh, Mother's Milk, Mother's Milk's ex's new husband, right? They're married. Oh, my. And that whole thing where like, he goes get his daughter. Yeah. And like the way you can see every time again, I don't know the actor playing this part either, but every time Homelander comes up and we saw him watching the news a couple episodes back, this glow comes into his eyes where he's just in love with him and that devotion that they're using for this character, I think, is so good. And then uh, so sad that Mother's Milk, you know, has that attack about sol seeing Soldier Boy on the news yeah. and, and leaves his daughter another just like. Oh, yeah, horrible to thing to see his daughter be like, Daddy, don't leave. You know, <laughs> like he has to, uh, you know, get out of there. He's having kind of like a panic attack or a flashback kind of attack type of thing. And like. But yeah, this whole thing of like him being like, oh, you're talking about the greatest superhero the world has ever known, Homelander, you know, like, um, yeah, it's this, yeah, it's, it's, they're doing a lot with this show. It's, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a fun mix of opinions and like, you know, you, uh, who we're idolizing, what are we putting in front of other things? It's a, it's a, it's interesting to see people have to have discussions and kind of uh, forced to react to each other like that. 
Uh, we probably should mention the Seth Rogen cameo as well that happens during the Cribs and Countess scene. She is... Yeah, I don't uh, know if that was a purposeful cameo. I think that was just oh, like okay. accidental footage. I think his camera just came on. Unfortunately. Right, he was already <laughs> logged in as Sir Comes a Lot 779. Yeah. yeah. So the 778 that, was taken. Of course. Oh, is yeah. that your username, Pete? That's Pete. No. Pete? Pete's? No, wow, seems like it is uh, very specific. Well, Do you think he was born July? July? Justin, your username is falls dash off dash the dash sex wagon, right? <laughs> That's right. Seven, I seven, know. Nine as well. It makes it hard for me when I say I'm on the sex wagon, yeah. like my actual screen name. Yes. About falling off the sex wagon. So many. This this was so packed with so many Easter eggy callback details here. Beyond the fact that Seth Rogen has been on the show, I think once per season now. Yep. So having him show up, that he's using the wish lotion, which is Starlight's lotion, that I think they called out as like awful and nobody likes and smells terrible. Yeah. Uh, and then she puts on her sexy music, his Chips Don't Cry, the song that she recorded and she played did. for them yeah. earlier in the season as well. So. So many things going on at the scene at the same time. Very funny and very gross. And just with a, with a nice gross kicker there at the end from Seth Rogen, as usual. Yeah. Um, other moments from the episode that you guys want to call out in particular? Uh, I've got a couple. Um, we got the deep um, heading down to head oh, uh, crime God. analytics. I think oh, right. this guy so loves funny. cupcakes. Loves cupcakes. He's such a doof. Um, yeah. Small potato. Always fighting for the smallest potato. Though I do think, just like uh, in seasons past, he will end up playing a role in saving the day, perhaps by accident, is my prediction. Well, the whole Annie having to deal with, like, there were only, like, two people in the room. Like, where is it? Well, the deep fired everybody, you know. Uh, was It's such a small little huge move it was so it was so well done um i love the line i'm like dom toretto quick and all about family <laughs> that was so funny <laughs> fighting fairies and dancing dildos um i've seen train spotting uh like yeah all that, just, i've seen train again. spotting live was hysterical great and a shout out to uh the flowers that had it with a card that said congrats from lindsey graham yeah. Uh, this show is just finds every nook and cranny to cram something fun, and it's great. And then the, you also, oh, go ahead, Pete. Also, the uh, the Homelander freaking out, thinking it was Jake Tap Tapper behind the like. That was also a really great line. Um, oh, also Mother's Milk when, when he's like, "This isn't Grubhub, Grubhub, motherfucker." Like just, yeah. uh, <laughs> just. So many great lines. Um, I do think on the mother, Mother's Milk Mountain, we didn't really talk about him, but Butcher roofing him at the end is so awful. And I yeah. think really points to, like, we just got the team back together in episode yeah. two or whatever it was, and we're already seeing everything completely fall apart. Yeah. It's so sad. So, how's he going to come back from this? I don't know. Probably not at all. Um, so yeah. we'll see what happens there. And the other thing... This feels like probably, I don't know, the slogan of the show, Butcher says out loud uh, to Maeve when they get wasted. She He says, with great power comes the absolute certainty that you'll be a right cunt, which I was like, yeah. you, all right, there you go. As soon as he said that line, my first thought was like, I wonder if Alex is going to say that out loud again. <laughs> I mean, I did, but I also think like legitimately that's that's the line of the show. That's what it is, yeah. or at least from Butcher's perspective. So. But it's been go. this kind of like underlying thing of this, 
you know, uh, the show of like power corrupts. So it's this kind of whole uh, lens that we're kind of, uh, you know, showing stuff through. I think Butcher said it better, but I I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Who was best boy this episode? Justin, who was best boy this episode? Oof, tough, uh, tough call, but I'm going to go with uh, Starlight in this episode. Mm. I, I think she, like we said, she's like the only bright spot in a, a show where everyone is uh, not doing their best and... Um, I think Aaron Moriarty, Aaron Moriarty's portrayal is excellent. I'm going to give it up to Kamiko this no, episode. Oh. oh, did I take yours? Yep. Sorry all about right, that. Right. I loved, we didn't talk much about the dad sequence, but I love that dad sequence so much. It was so great to see her cutting loose. The dancing was fun. Frenchie with his like little jerky dance moves was really cute as well. Yeah. But the whole thing was delightful to watch. And I had so much fun in the middle of a lot of darkness in this episode. Pete. What about you, best boy? Uh, I'm going to, I mean, I you took mine, so I guess I'll have to ride with Riser. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Wow, rough risers. <laughs> we in here. I don't know what that means, but I do know you can support our podcast at patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about the boys. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at hear it number four the boys on twitter instagram and facebook comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more until next time boys what again i haven't it's... gone back and listened i don't know what it is i'm no, sure there was a good i'm sure there's a good sign off the first two seasons right i think uh, we've been saying rough risers uh, the whole time if i remember correctly. Uh-huh.